you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians. Um, you guys ready for a weird sermon? Might as well uh, just make a weird night of it. Um, uh, I thought there was something back there. It's weird. 1 Thessalonians. Okay. Here's the thing. Okay. This is going to be kind of strange tonight. Um, I was reading through 1 Thessalonians, and, and something really struck me. This is a letter that Paul wrote. And, and you guys, we are going to get back to the book of Luke. Okay, we'll get back to the book of Luke next week. We've kind of taken this, this break and given the series on giving because the book of Luke kind of lended itself to it. Um, but I want to share some more things with you tonight, and, uh, and then we'll get back into our series in the, in the book of Luke. Um, but I'm reading through 1 Thessalonians, and, and, and something that has struck me about this, Paul writing to this church in Thessalonica, and this was a small church, Okay, there's a small church, you know, some say, you know, 50 to 80 people, I've heard as low as 30, you know, so this is a small church, and yet you've got these letters that Paul is writing to this group of saints there in Thessalonica, a couple of letters to them, and they're in the very pages of Scripture. Um, but as he writes this, you know, um, let me just read a few verses. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he's chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Okay, Paul's writing to these people that he knew, that he loved, and he says, every time I pray for you, you know, I just thank God for you, and I, I remember all the times that we spent together, and I remember I just seeing how you worked, you know, that, that labor, that toil, that it was all motivated by, it just did all these wonderful things, all these fond memories that he had of this church. And, 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 and there in, in verse 5, he goes, and he goes, and you, he goes, you remember me. You remember how I lived among you for your sake. He goes, in fact, not only did you see my life, but you began to imitate my life. And as I'm reading through this book, you, you'll see, uh, you know, several times, um, uh, look at chapter 2, verse, verse 5, how he says, you know, we never use flattery, nor we put on a mask to cover up greed. Uh, verse 8 of, of chapter 2. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Okay, Paul's writing to this church, but it wasn't just this sermon of do this, do this, do this. He talks about, hey, remember that time we spent together? And you remember me. He goes, and you guys know me. You know my life. You saw that I didn't, I didn't put on a mask and pretend that I was preacher boy so that I could, you know, greedily take your money from you. You saw how I lived among you for, for your sake. And, and he talks about how, uh, he, goes, he goes, we loved you so much that I, I didn't just preach to you. He goes, but I shared my life with you as well. And, and as, read, as you read, you know, do, do a study on your own. Read through First and Second Thessalonians sometimes, uh, some sometime. But but you'll notice that Paul had such an intimate relationship with this body of people. 
The people knew Paul, and Paul knew the people. They lived life together. And uh, the more I read this book, the more I thought that is so different from this. I, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. It's like, that is so different from what we're experiencing here in church. Um, and, and I know some of it we, we can't help because of the size. I mean, could you imagine if, if, if there were just a group of 30, like the 30 people or so that, that we started with, you know, 10 years ago. Imagine if it was just us still. How, how tight of a group that would be and how close that would be and how we would be in each other's lives and this and that. And, and as I read that, I, just, I, I felt almost bad. I, I felt like, gosh, I, like, like maybe you're getting ripped off, you know, because here, here Paul just went in and he lived life and there was this, uh, this relationship because the truth is, is a, a pastor, a pastor is more than an orator. He should be. He should be far more than an orator, a guy that speaks well, a guy that can communicate, a guy that's got ADD and keeps your attention, you know. I, I mean, that's, that's fine and it works and I get the message across, but as I read scripture, you know, there's so much more to a pastor and, um, and when, you, when you see Scripture and you go, you know what, that's different from what I'm experiencing right now, then you have to evaluate your own life and say, well, if that's different and that's not what we have, then let's see what we can do to correct this. Let's see what we can do to, to, to kind of find a balance here and, and make this church a little more biblical, my role as a pastor a little more biblical, a little bit more right. And, 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 and I struggle with that because it's not like I'm going to be best friends with everyone in this church you know, and hang out and, and be with you. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been doing this series on giving, and uh, we've been doing, you know, my first, my first series in ten and a half years on giving. And as I've been doing it, I, I realized I, I'm pretty private about my giving practices. Um, because, you know, you learn at an early age, you're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, you're, you're supposed to keep it to yourself, you don't announce the trumpets, hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, and so I've kind of kept it quiet, and yet, uh, and I believe that is true, and that's the way we ought to live. At the same time, I also think the rules are different for pastors and Christian leaders. Our lives are to be an open book, and sometimes that's a bummer. You know, everyone knows your business. At the same time, that's what you sign up for. You're, you're, you're to minister, as Paul says. You know, we don't just share with you the gospel. We share with you our lives as well. And, uh, and I thought, gosh, you know, some of you guys sit under my teaching week after week after week, and I'll share little things here or there. But you don't know me. You don't know a whole lot about my life. And, and even as I, I give this series on giving, I, you think, well, gosh, you know, I don't know any of his practices. And I thought, you know, I, I, I'd like to tonight just kind of share a little bit about my journey um, in this area of giving. So you know me a little bit and just kind of throw my life out there as an open book because, you know, the people in Thessalonica imitated Paul's life. They didn't just listen to his preaching. Paul says, you knew how we lived and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And so as uncomfortable as some of this is to me, I'm realizing, you know, this is what I signed up for. This is reality. This is, you know, as truthful as I can be tonight. You know, look it up. Check out my life. Um, 
But even as I was thinking this through about my journey in this area of giving, um, I got pretty frustrated, okay? Because I, as a young man, I started this church when I was 26. And, uh, and, and so I would preach it, you know, and I would just say things. And I would say things, and I was so sure of myself, and I would just, you know, say, man, this is absolute truth. This is the way it is. And, and now I look in hindsight at some of the things I said back then, and I go, oh, I can't believe I said that. Because as you grow, you, you realize, gosh, I shouldn't have been so sure of myself. Um, you know, you, you get arrogant. You start feeling like, I got a message that everyone needs to hear, and I've got it figured out, and no one else has got it, so I'm going to get on the stage, and I'm going to teach everyone how church ought to be and how they ought to live. And then, you know, you look back, you start growing, you get married, you have kids, you, you know, you start thinking about life, and you look back to who you used to be, and you go, man, he had no business preaching. And, uh, and, and honestly, it's not that as I look back at the things that I've said, it's not that they were untrue because I stuck with the Word of God. That was my saving grace. You know, I taught through the pages of Scripture. Um, so it wasn't that it was untrue. It's just that it was so incomplete. There were so many things about God that I didn't understand, um, and especially in this area of giving. And I taught some things pretty dogmatically, pretty much, you know, like I was so sure. And I I want to apologize for that, and I don't believe that what I said was blasphemous. It just wasn't complete. But, but you know what bugs me is as I think about that, I think, you know what, I bet you five years from now, I'm going to think the same thing about where I'm at today, right? I mean, you guys, I've been struggling with this all week because there was a big part of me that just wanted to be quiet for at least another five years and just live life and go, gosh, Francis, you were so sure of yourself then. Don't do the same thing now. You know, and then we're going to get it five years later. Why don't you just quit? You know, go do something else for five, you know, get a little. In fact, I, you know, it was interesting because uh, I was speaking at this conference with this guy named uh, Steve Farrar. You guys heard Steve Farrar? He, he came from men's. He spoke here. Yeah, you know Steve. He, he wrote the book Point Man. And I was speaking at this conference, and uh, he and I were kind of tag teaming at, at Biola University. And he says to me, he goes, he goes, have you ever written anything? I go, no, I've never written. I don't really, I'm not real good at writing. And he goes, why don't you give me your tapes? You know, because I, I think your stuff needs to be written. And so I gave him a bunch of my tapes, you know, then he was going to give them to a ghostwriter. He goes, no one writes their own books anyways. He goes, so, so give, uh, you know, give me your tapes, and, you know, and I'll get a ghostwriter, this or that. And, uh, and so I give him these tapes, and he never calls or writes or anything else. And uh, I go, wow, he's really impressed. And uh, then he comes to the church, you know, and, and preaches. And, and I go, hey, I got a question for you. About five years ago... You know, you asked me for a bunch of tapes, you know, and, and you know, talked about writing and this or that. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, you know what, I'm sorry. He goes, I didn't know how old you were. I was like, well, what's that got to do with it? He goes, no one should write a book until they're 40. I was like, what? He goes, no one should write a book until they're 40. And I was like, all right. <laughs> he says, you know, you were 32, 33. He goes, I didn't know you were 32, 33. You're losing your hair already. And, uh, you know, you know, but because, you know, as a young man, it's like you are, you're so sure of yourself, you're so sure you've got these messages for the world, but there was incredible wisdom in that statement, you know, where he just says, you know, just, just don't write, and, and so many guys that have written and have spoken, they, they get to a later point in their life, and they go, gosh, forget everything I wrote, forget everything I said, 
I, I think I've got some things figured out now. And in my youthful arrogance, maybe I said some things that I was pretty sure of, and, I, and I'm not. And, and now I know more. Now I understand more. And, and honestly, it, it makes you scared. You go, okay, well, let me just stick to the scriptures as well as I can. But let me tell you tonight just about the journey I've gone through and how far I am to this point. Okay, help me that I understand because I feel like I'm getting a more and more complete picture of, of what it means to serve God and to love God and give to God and everything else. And I, I, I'm somewhat ashamed of, of, uh, of the lack of knowledge I had back then. And I uh, and, uh, still don't know if I'm going to quit or what. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, anyways, let's, let's, let's start in high school. Okay, let me take you back to where I was in high school. Um, in this area of giving. So you understand, because this area of giving really explains where I've been with a lot of my life and, and the completing, and maybe some of you guys will, will relate to this. But uh, in high school, because that's when I first got money, um, and that's when I first came to know Jesus and, and had a personal relationship with him. And uh, I was working at Taco Bell, and uh, and. I was taught that uh, you give 10% of your income to God. And so what I did was I gave 10% of my income to God. I did it strictly out of obedience. I gave out of obedience. I, I grew up in a home. It's going to sound like a pretty weird home um, nowadays, but I grew up in a home where if Dad told you to do something, you did it. I know, it's weird. And... Uh, and so obedience was just put into my life. Obeying was second nature to me. I understood. Dad tells you to do something, you do it. You don't ask questions, you don't do whatever. Amen, that's right. You know, I, I mean, that's just the way it worked. And so when I became a Christian, I would read commands. And, and, and someone took me to, uh, to Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, where he says, bring the whole tithe. And the word tithe literally means one-tenth. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, that there might be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. And I was it was explained to me, look, they said, look, all the way since the beginning of time, even before the time of Moses, you know, that there was the tithe. You know, and you even had Abraham giving to Melchizedek. You know, there was the tithe. There was that 10%, and that's been going on all through history, all the way through the time of Christ. You know, and then, then Christ even re-emphasizes, you know, to the Pharisees. He goes, man, you know, don't, don't neglect that. Just make sure you don't neglect the more important things. You know, and, and, and so this tithe principle, I was like, okay, 10%. Seems like it's right. Let me just give it, because out of obedience, that's what I did. And so uh, whether when I was done at Taco Bell, I always gave 10% of my income. Then I started working at Michael's Pizza, you know, started, you know, throwing pizzas in the air and made a little more money, another 50 cents an hour. And uh, that extra nickel, you know, went to the Lord, every, you know. And then I started selling vacuum cleaners door to door, Kirby vacuums. And, uh, you know, started making a lot of money out of that, you know. But, but hey, 10%, it belongs to God. I give it to God because I'm being obedient. I, uh, and I believed, I believed God's promises that if I give him the 10%, he's going to take care of me. But that's what I do. I did it out of obedience. I was an obedient kid. And, uh, okay. and nothing wrong with that, giving through obedience. Nothing wrong with that at all. There's just more to it. When I got into college, when I got into college, um, 
I began to study passages of Scripture that explained what God was like. Okay, up to that point, I always saw the pictures of Jesus, nice, long, flowing blonde hair, carrying sheep. Okay, that's my Jesus. He's your best friend. Take him with you everywhere. Okay, you know, and that was Jesus. And absolutely, all that's true. It's just not complete. And as I began to study, you know, uh, Isaiah 6, you know, it was one of those first passages that hit me when Isaiah saw God and there was this throne, you know, and, and the angels screaming, holy, 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 and the whole place was shaking. I remember studying Isaiah 40, and it talked about how, you know, it is him who sits above the vault of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. And I was picturing God Almighty, and here I am on this little globe, little tiny me, and there's this God up there, and I'm thinking, no way, no one told me this God was so huge. You know, I started looking at these different, different passages of Scripture about God's holiness and His greatness, and, you know, Revelation 4 and 5, and, you know, the lightning, the thunder, you know, the fire, that's God. And so, in addition to this obedience, suddenly now I had this fear, a healthy fear of God going, man, no one told me this stuff about God before. I'm getting even more serious. I don't care what my friends think. You know, here's this God in heaven. All that matters now is I know what he's like and I'm terrified of him. There's a part of me just absolutely fears this holy God. And so when it came to this area of, of, of giving, it's like, ah, oh, let me make sure I'm giving my 10%. Let me make sure I go over 10% just to be on the safe side because I don't want to do anything wrong in the sight of that God. You know, and, and that's a good thing. Again, Scripture teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You're starting to understand things if you have a healthy fear of God. And so I was getting that. And, and the whole idea of not just giving 10%, but that, that passage in, in Malachi 3, in fact, if you back up to verse 8, God says, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And you start reading these passages where God says, you know what, you guys are stealing from me. He goes, think about this. Would a man actually steal from God? Would he actually come up to God? Are you going to come up into my throne room and actually take something from me? I dare you. And he goes, no, you wouldn't do that. He goes, but that's exactly what you're doing. And they're going, whoa, 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 wait a second, God. We would never steal from you. He goes, oh, yeah, you have. You haven't brought the whole 10%. I told you that 10% belongs to me, and you haven't given it to me. He goes, you're ripping me off. He goes, you want to understand why your whole nation is under a curse? It's because you're ripping me off. And so I read passages like that, and I go, man, I don't ever want to give him less than 10%. So let me just... Put it at 11 and 12, you know, percent. Just to be safe, because I don't want to mess around. I mean, this is God Almighty. And so I gave, I gave, I, you know, out of this fear and out of obedience. These are good things. These are good motivations to give. I mean, it's, it's far better than disobeying and not having a fear for the Lord. You give. And, uh, you know, I read passages like uh, Haggai, Haggai 1, where it talks about, you know, you try to save and you try to earn uh, yeah, let me read it. You know, and, and he talks about how um, uh, 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 he, he, okay, verse uh, 3, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. 
Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. God says, you know, okay, think about it. He goes, some of you guys, you're striving for all this stuff, and you notice how you never have enough? You remember how you, he, he, goes, he, goes, he goes, why do you think that is? He says, because you're putting your money in purses that have holes in it. And he explains, he goes, you know why you, you, your stuff's breaking down? You know why you keep losing money? He goes, because you're ripping me off. He goes, you guys are in your nice, warm, beautiful homes. And he goes, and look at the temple. Look at my house that you're supposed to be building. You guys are more concerned about your own comfort than my house. And so you've got these nice paneled houses while the temple of God lies in a ruin. And, and I'd read and I'd learn passages like that. I go, okay, God's always first. His house is more important than mine. If there's no place for the people to worship, then, then, then I, I get rid of my house. I, I want his house to be priority because it's up to him. Otherwise, I'm fighting against him, this holy God. And so I gave. I gave out of fear. Well, after college, I went to seminary. Okay, this is when I really started to study for the ministry. And, uh, and honestly, this was, uh, this was maybe the worst stage of my Christian walk. Um, I acquired so much knowledge in seminary. You know, I learned the Greek, the Hebrew. I, I started tearing apart the scriptures. I understood my theology. I started talking with the best of them. You know, just talking about theological issues, tearing this part and that part. And, uh, and I just felt so proud of how much I knew. And, uh, you know, the scriptures teach that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. There's something about knowledge. When all you've got is head knowledge, it makes you arrogant. You know people like that? That was me. Just, I got it all figured out. And so when this area of giving, uh, <coughs> you know, uh, when I was in seminary, I, I was so proud of my knowledge of God and my understanding of him. I was proud that I understood the, the, the charity of giving. I was, I was just self-righteous in my giving. And I was giving for proud reasons. You know, because, hey, look at me. I'm giving. Uh, look at me. Look at how much I sacrifice. And, and honestly, it was one of the worst, worst times of my life. It was a time when I dropped out of ministry, um, hypocrisy, everything. It was just, it was sick. Um, and it's, it's depressing when I, I stop and think about it. Um, but then, uh, then, yeah, then I got married. Okay. And, uh, and things really turned around for me. And, and then, I, uh, then I started this church. And, uh, and now I gave, I gave not necessarily out of a fear of God, not necessarily out of uh, an obedience to God, but there was a new thing that drove me, and it was called guilt. I, uh, I loved God very much, and I always had this feeling like I wasn't sacrificing enough, that I wasn't giving enough, and I wanted, I wanted to repay him for everything he did on that cross for me. I just, I, I really did love God, and I just thought, he's done so much for me. And look at me. What, what am I giving? 10%? 12%? You know, this, this isn't enough. Let me sacrifice more. And, and I would read passages of Scripture, you know, where, where people really gave, gave it up, like Luke 21, where you have the widow that gives up everything she had to live on. And I go, man, look at how 
Christ lifts that person up, and David in the Old Testament goes, look, I'm not going to give to God anything that didn't, that didn't cost me. I'm not going to give God something that didn't cost me anything, that, did, that I didn't have to sacrifice for, I didn't earn. You know, so I thought, yeah, I want to sacrifice for the Lord. I want to give to God. Again, a good thing. I mean, you see it in Scripture. And, and, and I think about all the people in Scripture that really worked hard, really labored, really worked themselves to the bone, people that died for Christ. And I thought, man, I haven't gotten to that point. I need to do more. I need to give more. And, and I would look at, I would look at uh, missionaries that would go overseas, they're living off the jungle, you know, just scraping by, trying to get as much support as they could. And I thought, that's not fair. Why should I be in America getting richer and richer as a pastor when you've got missionaries overseas suffering, you know, why don't I try to live like a missionary here in America? I mean, just because I'm in America doesn't mean I, I ought to be rich while that guy's starving. You know, let me, let me even it out a little bit. And I would look at all these models and go, you know what? That's the way I ought to live. And, and so I gave and I gave and I gave. And, and, and you got to understand, I, um, I also was very, I was always stressed out about money. You know, I, I, I was just pinching every penny because I, it's the Lord's, and I took that seriously, and I wanted to sacrifice. And my wife and I, we didn't get any full-blown fights, but we just got on each other's nerves, you know. You know, newly married and the money thing, and, I, you know, being a tightwad, everything else. I just, and, and I remember, if you, go, you know my wife, she's always got a Coke in her hand, right? You know, big 44-ounce, you know, Diet Coke. And, and, uh, and that was so new to me when we first got married, and I used to get so annoyed because she'd go to McDonald's and, you know, spend like $1.50 for a Coke, you know. And then later on, we'd go through another drive-thru or something, and she'd get another one. I'm thinking, that's $3.60 we spent on Cokes. You know, but I, I'm just sucking it up, going, okay. You know, it's the newlywed thing, right? You know, it's like, man. You know, and, and, and I even suggested, I go, why don't we get like a, an ice chest, you know? And, no, seriously, because I'm thinking you can get a, a six-pack for 99 cents. You know, why don't we just keep it in the trunk with ice, you know, that we can make ourselves, you know? And I would suggest these things, and she'd be like, well, the bubbles aren't the same. I'm like, bubble, you know? But, you know, you just, you know, all those things that aggravate you early in the marriage, right? Just like, I mean, throughout the week, I mean, I seriously, nickel and diming, I'm calculating how much she's spending on Cokes, and it's driving me crazy. You know, I could have fed a kid right there. You know, that, you know just going off on this thing. And meanwhile, you know, I'd go golf or something and spend 20 bucks and not think anything of it, you know. And, and, you, know, and you know how you just kind of, you don't see your own faults and you're going back and forth. Back and forth. And when you finally had to figure out, okay, we each get 100 bucks. Each get 100 bucks a month to spend on whatever we want. You know, if it's clothes, Cokes, whatever you want, <laughs> just, just spend it. You know, because we've got to be careful with our money. This is the Lord's money and everything else. And, you know, and so, oh, you bought another Coke. You know, just, then it became funny. Yeah, you played golf, I could have bought 10 Cokes. You know, just whatever. You know, that, it was just this whole money thing. Be careful, but we want to sacrifice, we wanted to give, and, um, and it was good. And, and here's the thing, is we, we noticed in our marriage that the more we gave to God, the more blessed we were. And we were, we were, we were tight on money, you know, and, um, and I remember, you know, we had our first kid, and, and my wife started talking to me about a raise or this or that, and I thought, okay, you know what, you know, not this year, maybe next year, and the next year came, and the elders again offered me a raise, and, uh, and this time I took it. And, uh, you know, I was making 36000 a year, and I said, you know what, I, I'll take a raise. Let's put me to 39, 40, somewhere there, I'll take it. 
And I came home and I said to my wife, I said, hey, honey, uh, I took a raise. You know, thinking she's going to be all excited. And she goes, why'd you do that for? I said, well, I thought you wanted it. She goes, well, I did. She goes, but then I saw how God blessed us. You know, every time we sacrificed and gave more and took less, and she goes, I don't want you to jinx us, you know. Take, you know, give, give the, uh, not jinx, I, I, you know what I mean. You know, don't, don't ruin a good thing. Tell, tell them we don't want the raise. I go, oh, good, because I didn't want the raise either, you know. And so we, t- you know, just say, hey, uh, we're, we're good. You know, I'll tell you if I, I ever want a raise, but you know, just leave us at 36. And so we've been at 36 for, for 10 years. And, uh, and every year, it seems like we have more and more and more. Somehow God provides. Somehow, you know, our things don't break down or, or, or something else comes along. It always came together. And, and, and when my wife saw that, you know, and I was seeing it more and more, we just, we kept giving. We kept giving. Um, we, uh, we, we, we jumped from 10 to 15%. It's like, oh, okay, you know, this isn't bad. You know, God still provides. Let's give 20%. Okay, 20%. Wow, look at this. You know, we went through the year, we got even more stuff. You know, and just, just outrageous things were happening. And we just keep upping it. So, you know, let's see if we can just up it every year. Let's see if we can keep our income the same and give more every year. And, you know, because God says he's going to bless, and, and it happens all the time. I mean, crazy stories. I could sit here all night and tell you stories about things that just don't make any sense. No sense whatsoever outside of God. Just, just supernatural things. I, I, this one story I'll tell you. I was, we were driving home. We're driving here from, from San Francisco. I had spoken at something, and I'm driving, and, and the thought occurs to me. I, I think, you know what? I'd love to take my family on vacation. But every time I have money, I think, oh, someone else needs it more than we need a vacation. And, and so, you know, my family, and I'm just quietly praying to God, not, not verbally, just in my head, to the Lord. And I say, Lord, there's no answer to this, and I'm not whining. I hope you don't think I'm whining. You know, I'm not complaining. I love, love, love my life, love what I do. I'm just kind of confused right now because I'd love to take my family on vacation, but every time I have money, I feel like it should go to the poor. And I said, there's no answer for this. I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm not complaining about this. I'm just trying to figure this out in my mind and speaking to you, telling you I love serving, I love my life, I just don't get the balance here because I know it's not a sin to take my family on vacation and yet my burden is to give to the poor. No big deal, it's a silent prayer, I prayed to God. That week my wife calls me at work at the church and she goes, honey, we got a weird check in the mail. I'm like, really? Uh, she goes, yeah, it's a cashier's check. And I go, and there's no note from where it came from, how much was it? She goes, $2,000. I said, $2,000? You know, biggest check we ever got. And, uh, and I said, there's no note on it? She goes, well, there's a little sticky note on it that says, Francis, spend this on your family. You guys, that, that blew my mind because now I had a check that I would feel guilty spending it on anything else. And I just remember, you know, my wife didn't even know anything about it. I remember just telling her, I go, honey, you're not going to believe what I prayed. And, and you know, and, and we're just like welling up with tears going, no, God, that, there was no answer to that prayer. There was no answer to that. I was just telling you can't answer that prayer. I mean, doesn't that just seem like a no, you, you, there's no answer to that prayer, and yet he says, no, there is an answer. 
I'll give you money and make you feel guilty <laughs> not spending it on your family. And you guys, you guys, that, that stuff's been happening, you know, all through my life, week after week, even last week, week before. I mean, every week it seems like supernatural things, things that you just go, this is ridiculous, where I'll just laugh out loud and praise God out loud and say, Lord, you just, I'm like the spoiled kid where dad's just like, watch, you know, just, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And, and yet even in that, you know, the outrageous blessing, and, I, and it has nothing to do with being a pastor. People go, oh, it's because you're a pastor. You guys, it's, it's nothing to do with that. It's because I'm a child of God. It's because my dad loves me. He's crazy about me, and I'm crazy about him. That's all there is to it, because people go, oh, he does that to you because you're a pastor. You guys, it, it doesn't matter. A position's nothing. I'd give and serve and do whatever I was, no matter what you called me. Um, it's, just, it's just life. But he, even with that, you know, giving, and I wanted to sacrifice, I could never sacrifice enough. And then I thought, you know, we were teaching through Corinthians at church. Remember that? I don't know if how many of you guys were around back then. We were teaching through 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, look, even if I give everything I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, if I have not love, it profits me nothing. That verse really struck me. Because he says, it doesn't matter if you give away everything you have to the poor. If you don't have love, then it doesn't profit you anything. Then you, there's really no reward in it. That God is not just concerned that we give, but that we give with the right motives. And I, you know, much of my giving was out of guilt, out of fear, out of obedience. All okay. All written about in Scripture. All better than not giving. You know, and God was blessing me for all of that. But I remember praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know what? I don't want to keep giving just out of sacrifice and feel like I'm this martyr, you know, giving it up for you. Um, man, it's great seeing your rewards and everything else, but I want to give out of love, and I don't know that I've really been doing that. I, and I said, you know, I want to give more, but now I want to do it. I, have me fall in love. Have me fall in love with a family or something to where I want to give out of love and not just out of obedience or fear or, or guilt or duty. And then, uh, then I was invited to go to Africa, invited to go to Uganda, you know, probably six months after that prayer. And, uh, and I went for all the wrong reasons. I went because uh, Franklin Graham was leading the trip, and it was going to be a small group of pastors. I thought, uh-huh, no way. You know, I'll be hanging with Franklin Graham. I was invited to this thing, and that's like, wow, I can learn from this guy. You know, I didn't care where we went. I was just going to be with Franklin Graham. And then I heard that Bono from U2, you know, was, well, you know, that, that we're talking about him coming on the trip. I'm like, yeah, I'll hang out with Bono and Franklin, you know. This is great. And then neither of them show up. And, uh, <laughs> and I end up in Africa, you know, with a bunch of people I don't know, you know, and I felt bad canceling once I heard they're not going to be there because then, then they'll see my pride. And, uh, and so I get there and, uh, and I see the poverty and something happened to me that I did not expect at all. I just absolutely fell in love with these little kids. Oh, man. Man, their smiles, you know, the way they embrace you. They walk around, just want to hold your hand. And you just go, oh, man, you guys are just so cute, you know. And you just want to hold them and hug them. And you see them digging through the trash for food or this or that. And then you, your heart just gets heavy. And it's like, man, I love these kids. And I just came home and I said, you know what? I, I love them. And, and now I know why I want to give. I want to give everything I can to these kids. My wife didn't even go with me on the trip. I came home and I said, honey, I can't even live in this house anymore. I, I want to give. I want to give everything we can to these kids. 
you know, and my wife, trooper that she is, goes, you know, if you feel like that's what the Lord's leading you to, I go, but I want you to see it first. I want to take you there. She goes, no, 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 I trust you. And I go, but I want to sell our house. And she goes, that's fine. And uh, next day, we, we started driving around looking for mobile homes. We went to mobile home parks and uh, called a couple of realtors, you know, looked at prices of different mobile homes and uh, just said, you know, let's just downsize. We got a 2,000 square foot house. We don't need it all, you know. Let's, let's, just, let's just get something small, you know, and let's just give because, man, I love these kids. I, I love the smile on their faces. I love to see them eat. I love the, the way they sing and dance. You know, I'm going, Lisa, they're just the most beautiful children. If we can help them out, help them to get out, just even a few, you know, give them a future, man, I'd be so, so happy. So we started looking around and, and you know, and then with renting mobile homes, didn't know the price of that. And, and then some friends uh, nearby had had an old house um, that they were moving out. They were going to head in the mission field and there was a thousand square foot house, you know, total fixer upper and uh, total fixer upper. And, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, the guy that owned it said, yeah, let's work together, you know, let's work on this thing together and I'll sell it to you real cheap. And, and uh, man, and they were a total blessing to us. And it, it, to the point where with the equity in our other house selling that, we we're able to buy this home um, because we bought one. The market was really low and everything else, and they are very generous, and it ended up being, you know, a 1,000-square-foot home where we just moved in, and, uh, and, 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 and it's, it's been incredible. I, even with that, the blessings. You know, my, my, my oldest daughter, who was like, I don't want to share a room with Mercy, you know, or whatever else. I like my own room. You know, well, you know, we explained why. And she said, okay, whatever. You know, and... Uh, now they're in one room, and you have bunk beds and stuff. And Rachel, she won't even sleep in her bunk by herself. She goes down on the bottom bunk, and she, she doesn't even like being up there by herself now. She's got to have a little sissy with her and, and the bond between those two and, and how they just can't stand being apart from everyone's little house sit or something. It'll be different bedrooms, and, you know, and they won't go to different bedrooms. You know, like, no, we've got to be together. We've got to be in the same bed. In fact, they keep begging, can we sleep in your room? Can we all four be in the beds? Like, no, you know. Um, or Ellie would never have come. You know, we, uh, you know it's just uh, the whole idea was, uh, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's amazing. And then, then her friends, and now she just kind of goes, Dad, remember that boring old house we used to live in? I mean, those are her words, you know. And our neighbors and our friends, and every, I, I can't even tell you the blessings of this place. And, and, and just, again, seeing God just showering us with blessings. Every time we try to give to Him, it's like, man, life just keeps better, better, and better. And I feel like I've got more, more, more. And I just got this beautiful home, these beautiful kids. I, I mean, I, I got home the other night, real tough day here, you know, just, just dealing with some real, uh, real tough people, and, uh, you know, came home just, just aggravated or whatever, sit on my little couch, and my two little girls just crawl up on my lap, and one on each cheek, just start going for it, just kissing, 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 and I'm just like, Lord, I don't deserve this, you know, I just felt like they were angels just ministering to me, I, I just, I, I just, I couldn't even believe it, I was just like, Lord, the most blessed man on the earth. This is, this is so amazing. And, and the thing that I, I guess that I, I've learned is um, in this last year, not just giving out of obedience, fear, guilt, and even love, but the thing I've learned most recently is just giving out of desire. Just giving because, man, like Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I totally get that now. It's like, I just love this thing of giving. It makes you so happy. 
You know, there's nothing like, like I said the other day, when you, you hand a bowl of rice to a kid that's starving, there's something like, there's no feeling like that in the world. And just understanding that God's commands, you know, where he says uh, uh, in 1 John 5, 3, this is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. It's like I look at all of God's commands now, and I'm just now getting it, you guys. And this is what drives me crazy is I've been your pastor for over 10 years, and now I'm finally getting what those psalmists say when they go, man, I love your law. I love your commands. I love these things. You know, early on as a Christian, man, I hated the commands. I thought, okay, I'll serve. You know, I want to go to heaven. I want this or that, and, and I'll just do it, you know, because it's right. But he says, oh, no, sex before marriage. You know, no getting drunk. No this, no that, no whatever. All right, I'll obey that, obey that. And, and it was always this duty, all these things I didn't want to do. But then you start obeying these laws, and you see how much life it brings you. And then you start going, man, I love this book. Man, give me another command. Give me another command to obey. Because every time I obey a command, I'm happier. Every time I obey a command, my life is better. Every time I give more, I really am more blessed. I am more happy. And that everything Jesus did on the cross, it wasn't just that he died on the cross and, and that he, he paid for my sin and he paid the penalty for all my sins. Man, that, yes, I understand that. And I believe that that, that, that I'm guilty, I've sinned, but Jesus died for me and that's an incredible blessing. But beyond that, I've seen how his commands are his blessing to me. And these commands, man, the more you obey them, the happier you are in life. And, and, then I, and then these verses about God loving a cheerful giver, it's the first thing that goes, man, this is the greatest thing I could be doing, is just giving to you. Because, for one, I get to see the joy in the people that receive it. Two, I get to see all the blessings you give me. It's so much better than earning it when things are just thrown on my lap and things just happen. They just overnight where you just go, no way. That's cr-. Just last week, I was just telling Paul about that the other day. How, I have one more story, sorry. But, uh, you know, just this was last Friday. Last Friday, I was out golfing with some guys. You know, it was twilight, you know, at, at Simi Hills, you know, just jumped out there like 3 o'clock. You know, and everyone had these big old drivers, right? That's a big thing now, big drivers. And I'm like, mm, my little girly driver, you know. And, and so then I can't keep up. I can't hit it as far, which kills me, you know, because that's all I care about is hitting that ball far. And big driver people, you know, are hitting it further than me. And I was just like, you know, Lord, I'd love to have a big driver, that's so selfish, and I'm not going to spend the money on a, a big driver, but man, that just stinks. Golf's no fun now, you know. I can't stay up. You know, the next morning, I'm speaking at this thing. Last Saturday morning, you know, I go and I speak for this little church plant, and they just ask me, come, like, all right, you know, I'll do it. And, uh, and uh, you know, the guy afterwards says to me, he goes, you know, we, we heard you have a reputation that when small churches ask you to speak uh, and they give you an honorarium, you hand it back to them. My brother-in-law told me you do that, so they said, don't even try giving him money. And so we bought you this driver instead. <laughs> and I go, no, no way. I go, just last night, just last night, I was just saying, oh, I'd love to have a big driver. And he's like, no. I go, yes, you know. And you know, and all the way home, I go, God, you always do this. You always do this. And you just laugh. All the, I mean, at little things like that daily, you guys, this is my life. It's just me and God, you know, just, just laughing, just going, God, you're so, I, I just can't get enough of you. I can't get enough of you. And, and you guys, so much of my life was guilt and do this, do that. And I, I don't think it was wrong. It's just, 
I understand it. I get it so much. And um, you know, we were going to do a question and answer. I had microphones, but I already took all the time blabbing. Um, because I really wanted you to be able to ask any questions. Where, in fact, the, the, we haven't taken an offering yet. Uh, ushers, ushers, sorry. Uh, if you could take an offering right now. Anyone have any questions? I will do some questions. Well, yeah, 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 Terrell. That's a good question. He says, how, you know, how, are you, how much are you supposed to give from your business and not just your personal, like if you own your own business and this or that? And, and again, you know, that's where this whole thing that I'm trying to get at is, you know, 10% is always a great principle. You just go, okay, I, I just always want to make sure I'm giving him that um, one way or another. And, but I got so much more concerned about the heart. I've been reading a guy named John Piper lately, my favorite author. Um, right now, modern author, and, he, and his, his famous quote is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You know, his glory comes from us being glad that we're his kids. Not like, oh man, I gotta give 10%. Oh man, I gotta obey this. But God's most glorified when we as kids, I mean, think about it. Wouldn't it be awesome if your kids said, Mom, Dad, I love your commands. I know they're for my best. Tell me, give me more rules because I know that you care about me, right? Wouldn't that be perfect? Okay, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that would be the perfect thing to happen. You guys, that's what God wants from us. For us to say, God, I know your commands are for my good. I trust you as my dad. You know, and, and so it, it's not even, I, I can't even give a number, a figure, or whatever else. I, I, just, I just gotta say, you know, it's so much about the heart. It's so much about, you know, Lord, I, I, here's my heart. I want to give as much as I can. I love these people. I want to try to be, give it from my business or this or that. And, and I think God speaks to us each individually in that way. And, and he makes things obvious. And I don't think it's a set amount, uh, uh, you know, New Testament. I, I think it's at least 10%. But, but, you know, with business, you know, different people go, well, is it before taxes, after taxes? If I tithe off my income from the business, then do I have to tithe off the business itself? And I think it comes down to, if you ever say have to, then something's wrong, okay? Then it's like, hey, Lord, help my heart, because I don't want to have to give you anything, okay? You know, and, and I know that's not what you're saying. It's just, it's just okay, Lord, I want to desire. I want to just give out of the joy of my heart, because that's what you want me to give. Yeah, one more question. Anything about my life. I, I just, I want to be more of an open book to you guys. Yeah, Charles. Did, did I get a bigger house? Yeah, yeah, we always did a two-bedroom, and then we, we turned our little front room into a baby room. And, ah, uh, oh, I don't have time for another story. Okay. No, never mind, okay. I just, okay, 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 okay. Okay, but the one bummer, okay, remember when I showed you my house? you know, on the screen and everything else. And I talked about, hey, it's not my house, it's God's house. And I talked about all the people that lived with us. When we had the bigger house, people could live with us, right? And we had a bunch of people. I mean, a lot of you. You know, someone even said the other day, yeah, I talked to someone who lived with you. And I'm like, well, I don't even remember her. You know, and, and they would just say, you know, because we want people to see our family. We want to show them how good God's been to us. And, and a, lot of them that, a lot of people that didn't grow up in a Christian home, we want them to see one because God is so good. And, um, and, and we want to share our lives that way. And, uh, and so she was just saying, you know, that's the only thing I miss. That's the only thing I miss. You know, the small house is great. 
I love everything. I love the intimacy of our family, but I just wish we had, uh, you know, more room for someone else. Like, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, and then, then that week, someone said, uh, hey, you know, I'm a contractor. Is there anything uh, you'd want to do in your house? And I said, well, you know, my wife was just saying, I mean, I don't know what it would take, but, you know, like we can't have people live with us anymore, you know, unless they live in the living room and they'd feel weird about that. And uh, I said, you know, maybe a room in the garage, you know, I don't know park in the garage, can you build something in there? He goes, sure. <laughs> and so now, you know, we've got a room in the garage. We just, I, me and Rachel were mudding, <laughs> me and my daughter, they made a mess of it and they had to come in and fix everything. But. Uh, <laughs> But again, you know, just God, again, going, well, that's what you want. You know, I, I'll have someone build your room and your garage. So, so it is, you know, with the addition of, uh, I've got a room. And we've already got three people that asked if they could live in there. So, sorry. Um, but, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's my life, okay? I, I want to, I know I can't be best friends with everyone. And I, I'm not going to get to hang out with everyone because of the size of the church. But as I read Paul, I thought, you know what? The people knew him. They knew his, his faults. He knew, they knew his, his good qualities. They imitated not just what he said, but how he lived. And I, I sure hope you don't take this as a, um, of a boasting or anything like that, because it's, it's embarrassing to me, and I haven't wanted to share, and yet I felt like it was a, a, something I needed to do. And on the other hand, it, it's, it's embarrassing to, to think about some of the things that I've said, that some of the things that have come out of this mouth that I was so sure of, and now go, ugh. Why did I say that? And, uh, and pray for me. You know, I, I'm not. I'm far, far, far from perfect. I, uh, man, sometimes just go, I, I feel like a little kid sometimes playing church. You know, I feel like, oh, I'm going to go and play pastor, you know, and get up on this. I mean, that's what I feel I, when I just think, man, who are you? What are, what are you doing up there? What, what is this? You, you, you don't even get it yourself. And, and that's kind of me confessing to you guys. I haven't gotten it. Um, but I've stuck to the word, and, uh, and obedience will never hurt you, you know, and doing it out of fear, for whatever reason, obeying is always better than disobeying, and God's been faithful to that, and, and thank God for that. You know, let me just close this in one prayer. Father, I, I thank you for this night, I, you know, it's gone all sorts of different directions, and, uh, and yet, Lord, I, I just praise you, I praise you for who you are, I just love you so much. It's so good to be your child. God, help me to understand you better, God, so that I can lead these people better. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.